Well, we've come to the end of Genesis today. We're going to be covering chapters 49 and 50. And I'm excited about it because the Lord's going to lead us somewhere into another book that's going to reveal more and more of Him. But as again, it was important to look at the very beginning of time, the very beginning of mankind, and the things that God had done through the people throughout a 2,500 year period, which is about how long the book of Genesis covered. From the beginning of Genesis to the very end of where we're at now, covered about 2,500 years worth of time. And so... As we're going to be looking here, we're going to be seeing the, the, the last person mentioned here, who is that of Joseph, who we've been covering for some time. But let's take a look at Genesis chapter 49 here, as I'm going to explain the majority of 49, as we see Jacob, who is known as Israel, coming to the end of his days. And as Jacob was ready to pass away, he gathered all of his sons around him. And what would look like a blessing for each son or a blessing of each son, it's more so he prophesied in regards to each one, which was spoken in verses 3 through 28. And one by one he spoke to them in their actions and also in their futures. And I'm going to read some of each son's sayings here. Uh, I'm just going to read the first few verses of each tribe. And he started with Reuben, who was his oldest. He said, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity, and the excellency of power. Unstable as water, you shall not excel, because you went up to your father's bed, and then you defiled it. And then Simeon and Levi, our brothers, instruments of cruelty, are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their counsel. Let not my honor be united to their assembly, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and and as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And that being Judah from the tribe of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Zebulun shall dwell by the haven of the sea, and he shall become a haven for the ships, and his border shall adjoin Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. He saw the rest was good and the land was pleasant, and he bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path, that bites the horse's heels so that its rider shall fall backward. And I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. Gad... A troop shall trample upon him, but he shall triumph at last. Bread from Asher shall be rich, and he shall yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a deer let loose. He uses beautiful words. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. 
From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your Father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you, with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath. Blessings of the breast of the womb, the blessings of your father, have excelled the blessings of my ancestors. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. And all these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is what their father spoke to them, and he blessed them, and he blessed each one according to his own blessing. Then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite as a possession for a burial place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. And there they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is there were purchased from the sons of Heth. And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, and he breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. So the last of the patriarchs had passed away, and Joseph lived up to his word as Jacob wanted to be buried in Canaan with his fathers. Although he was in Egypt with his family being buried in his homeland, was, it was his last wish. It was normally customary to be buried in family tombs near one another, although to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You look at Egyptian burials, they were pretty extravagant, especially if you were of uh, someone of importance. But even in burial customs, there was pagan influence. And Jacob's last breath was quite a way to go. The timing was perfect, and it was pleasant. It was as if a mother was lying her infant child down to go to sleep as she tucked him in and kissed him goodnight. And God allowed a peaceful, gentle ending to Jacob's life with those around him to come into eternity with others to surround him in love. So as we go into chapter 50 to end this book, we're going to be looking at uh, Genesis 50, starting off in verse 1 through 6. It says, Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, so the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required for those who are embalmed, and the Egyptians mourned uh, for him seventy days. Now when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in, in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying... My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying in my grave, which I dug for myself, in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come back. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. The, the embalming with the Egyptians was a timely process, as, as they preserved bodies by mummifying them. Uh, normally, someone would be buried right there. But Joseph wanted to make sure that his father Jacob was preserved for the journey back to Canaan. And in previous chapters, he made Joseph promise him that he would send him back to the burial place of his fathers. And, and Joseph promised that he would. And Joseph had to assure the Pharaoh that he would come back himself. Uh, we know that Joseph had become an important figure in Egypt. So what happened here is they mourned for 70 days on Jacob's death, which was an Egyptian custom for mourning uh, on those of importance, maybe something, something such as royalty. Uh, when, when a Pharaoh passed away, it was what they did. 
Jacob must have been quite a respected figure himself over the years there. You know, Jacob was one of the last people to live over 120 year, uh, years old since the days of Noah. God allowed a longer life for him. It was after this, we didn't see people living past 120 years old. So Jacob was the last of a privileged kind. Now, to watch someone take their last breath, that is a life-changing experience. Uh, when you were there for that event, the body is there, but you were, you were there to see them off. And you're there to see them off eternally. And for, for those who were of God and walked with God lived and lived by the scripture, you know, to be out of the body is to be present with the Lord. And to some it's scary, but praise be to God and his word that, that shows us that heaven will be greater than anything on earth. So we have that to look forward to. We have that to, to be a part of one day when our, when our time is up. But of course Joseph mourned that his father had passed. And so did and so did Egypt. Let's continue in verse 7 through 14. So Joseph went up to bury his father. And with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. As well as all the house of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great gathering. Then they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and they mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a deep mourning of the Egyptians. Therefore, its name shall be called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. So his sons did for him just as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as property for a burial place. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt. He and his brothers and all who went up with him to bury his father. In the return back to Canaan, they, they go to the cave of Machpelah. And that's where Abraham purchased the burial place for his wife, Sarah, and actually for the rest of his family. Now, I know some out there make big issues of burial places or, or even styles of burial. Uh, the right way, the better way. Uh, but the body is a tent, which will one day fold up to move on. And, and in one way, shape, or form will return to the dust from where it came. Uh, Jacob's body to return to the family burial plot was due to the faith and the recognition of the promised land in which God gave to him, which is why he requested to be there. Now, we can see it as a physical burden, but it was more of a spiritual aspect, a statement of memorial and promise. You know, his life was, was the greatest memorial which we see in the word of God. It's amazing how people will make such a big deal over a gravesite. You know, as I have, a, I have a close childhood friend uh, who works security at one of the most uh, well-known cemeteries outside of Los Angeles in California. 
And he tells me how people have traveled from Germany, Japan, and other countries to visit the gravesite of celebrities, such as Michael Jackson and sorts and whatever have you. But with the patriarchs, it was again a specific meaning to be in the promised land. Their life legacy is what stood out. See, Moses was buried, when he died, Moses was buried in an unknown location by God. There was no burial sites. But he had a legacy like no other. It's important for some people to be buried side by side, as there was a love for one another like no other. And that's wonderful. But the most vital thing we can do is to make sure that all who we concern ourselves with in burial, are spending eternity together. Because it is there in heaven where, where we'll never leave together. We'll never leave one another. We'll live together for eternity. Because it is there in heaven where, where our bodies and our, our eternal uh, bodies will never grow old. But while we're here, we're to make sure that those around us make it home. That, that is what the calling was. That is what the Lord had called us to do. The burial sites, that's one thing. And I know it's precious to some people, and that's fine. But it's more precious to make sure that our eternity, our souls are together, more so than our burial sites. In verses 15 to 21, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead... They said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now the servants of, the God of, of, the, of your father and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is to this day, to save many people. Therefore, do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I think the brothers figured that Joseph shared in their ways of thinking. You know, from the beginning of Joseph's name, uh, being mentioned in Genesis, he was one who showed the most integrity out of, out of them. You know, Joseph's name means God will increase. Which is what Joseph did. He increased in the, in the blessings and the provisions of God. So that way his family would as well. See, he was a part of, of helping Egypt survive a famine. Now, most would probably take retribution on the brothers for what they did to him. But, but he actually wept at the brothers' thoughts that, that he would actually consider punishing them. As the time has gone on with Joseph, we see more and more why he was compared to as a type of Christ. And such comparisons of betrayal to those closest with him and showing forgiveness to the ones who hurt him. Joseph, even in his power and authority, made known something vital to them. Fear not, for am I in the place of God? He recognized that he was not in the place of God. 
But he showed them the love and grace of God. Yes, they had bad intentions, but God had a better plan. Yeah, many have been hurt by people close to them. You know, co-workers, family and friends. And, but Joseph, he shows a heart above the normal. I remember once someone telling me that, wow, that person did you a favor in regards to a situation that happened to me. It was a bad situation that happened to me. And, and, and I was told, like, well, it looks like they did you a favor. And I replied that, no, he didn't do me a favor. He did me a disservice. God did the favor by the end results. The one thing that we can take credit for is downfalls. Because God is the one who cleans things up. If there's something that I could exhort people in, when it comes to anything they do in life, in ministry, in their jobs, a lot of people love to take credit for things. The only thing that man can or even should take credit for is really only the downfalls. God doesn't cause downfalls. God does the good. Man causes the downfalls. God allows it by our actions. So if, if we want to take credit for something, we need to be taking more credit for the downfalls instead of patting ourselves on the back because by doing so, we take the glory away from our Lord. And observing Joseph's words and heart, it, it gives us an example that, that God works in those who puts trust in him. And, and, and there is hope for all. See, Joseph was still a mere man. He just walked closer to God. And that is why we're seeing the results of his heart and blessing. It's because of how close he walked with God. You know, Joseph was in power there for so many years. And he recognized that the only reason that he was there first and foremost and the only reason he was, he was successful was because of the grace and the, the power and the will of God. There was nothing that he did himself with the exception of what God led him to do. And again, that's where we see the results. Is, is again, glory to God, trust and reliance on God. Because again, we love to brag about what we've done in our heydays. In, in the days of our past, when we were once something special in the eyes of society. And, and that is not, it's not something that, that, that God really probably cares too much about when we take the credit for it. <laughs> and to be honest with you, people really don't really care about it anymore either. I can't tell you how many elderly people I've visited over the years that have had stories of, of amazing stories. And all they have now is those stories to tell strangers about what they did. But when those strangers walk away, it becomes a distant thought. But you see, with God, it becomes an eternal reward when we do the things for Him. The only things that last in this world are what we do for Him. And, and by Joseph here, he did some great things and so did Jacob while he was in Israel as they mourned him as they would royalty. But Jacob's main concern was making sure that the pleasing was for God. 
Now as we get ready to take a look here at the end of chapter 50, we're going to be observing 22 through 26 as Joseph now has his time to come. And it says, So Joseph dwelt in Egypt. He and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation, the children of Meshur, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. And they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Well, this is the end of Genesis. And if you've been, again, if you've been following along, we've covered, as I mentioned in the beginning, 2,500 years of accounts of Genesis. And Joseph lived to be 110 of those years. And he was sold off by his brothers. He was 17 years old, so 93 of his life, uh, 93 years of his life was spent in Egypt. And as he too also requested that his bones be brought back to the pro- uh, promised land of his fathers, that happened uh, 400 years later in the book of Exodus, chapter 13. It was Moses who brought back his bones as they left Egypt during the Exodus. So Joseph's body stayed there for 400 years in the coffin. Moses was the one who was chosen to live up to that promise, even though it was a little later than uh, than we would have expected. But again, God's timing is much different from man's. And we can see that Joseph definitely had some extreme trials. But by God's mercy, the majority of his life was spent in well-being and in joy, especially since his father and brothers returned to be with him. I have to say, what a joy it's been to teach and see the things that God did in Genesis with so many great men and women. You know, all of them who succeeded and failed in ways. But we've seen that their motivation and their courage came from realizing that God was with them despite their downfalls or their inadequacies. We've seen that through so many we can be encouraged And that we can rely on him for guidance. And may we use the potential that he has given us. You know, all the people we read about were regular men and women just like you and I. Uh, But they were extraordinary when they received God and walked with him. You know, whatever his plan is for you, may you fulfill it with joy and perseverance. But there's something important you must do in order to experience him in that. And and it's receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, as his only begotten Son. You know, looking at Genesis, you can see Genesis as everyday life. It's been quite a roller coaster. The ups and the downs, the the, the good, the bad, the ugly, if you will. The, The successes and the downfalls. But you see, God was with every single one of the people we read about that remained with him side by side. 
And, and that's something that God constantly reminded everyone. That if you do well, as he, as he told Cain in the very beginning of time, when, when Cain became angry over his brother Abel and jealous over his sacrifices and the approval of God, God said something to Cain that always stuck with me. As he says, if you do well, then what, what harm could come to you? Only good can come. And that's something that God has always promised. Now, some people might have said, I've done well, and, and not anything good has come. Well, you might have been going through the trial, and God might be continuing to put you through the trial. But what he wants to see is perseverance. The continual perseverance, because again, we want to easily walk away from him when things don't go our way within a matter of, of minutes. We're looking at people here who have endured life for years. And some of these guys who lived for hundreds of years, they, they really went through it at times. They really put up with a lot. But again, in the end results, God blessed them. In the end results, they were with him. And, and that is the most important thing here is where I'm going with is the end results. You know, everybody, a lot of people come out of the gate strong, but how well do they finish? And, and so the Lord wants us to, to reach the finish line to Him. And again, Genesis has been such a wonderful start. And I'm partially sad to, to, to stop, but I'm he's equally excited to go on to the next thing that the Lord has for us. But as we go on right now, I want to be sure to give you the opportunity for the next best thing that the Lord can give to you, which is eternal life. If you've been following along, maybe you've been reading the stories or hearing the stories and thought to yourself, like, this is really interesting stuff. Well, of course it's interesting because the hand of God was upon all of this. But this is not for the sake of a good read. This is for the sake of our Lord and being with Him. So I want to give you the opportunity to get to know Him in a personal way because our Lord's been waiting for you to come to Him. Because He loves you and He's just absolutely crazy about you. <laughs> and, and that's the amazing thing, is, is that the Lord loves us so much. Yes, even when those times are tough. And what Joseph revealed to us was is that God allowed that to happen to him, but preserved him and blessed him abundantly beyond measure. So will we have the same faith and perseverance? Well, we can't do it unless he's in us. We can't do it unless he's with us. So I want to give the opportunity right now to receive him for the sake of, of being with him in eternity. For our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He died for our transgressions. So I want you to pray with me now if you feel led to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. 
I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to cleanse me of my sins. And Lord, I ask for you to receive me into your kingdom, Lord. As Lord, as I receive you in my heart, as Lord and Savior, and as my Father. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to me, Lord, as I am now a part of you. Father, I thank you for dying for me. And Lord, may I live for you, Lord. And may we be together, Lord, when my time is up. I thank you. I love you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, what a blessing as it is, as it is for each and every time to give the Word of God and, and to be able to expose the Lord in His heart and His love and His mind. So where we go next? Well, you'll have to follow along. I think the only thing I can promise you is that we're going to go somewhere in the Word of God and that I'm going to teach it for exactly what it's saying. So may you follow along as we go ahead and grow together. And may you grow in Him and walk with Him always. May God bless and keep you.